Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to read um, all the way down to verse 11. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the sun, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to harvest, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to rebuild. There's a time to cry, and a time to laugh, a time to grieve, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to turn away. There's a time to search, a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be quiet, and a time to speak up, a time to love, and a time to hate. There's a time for war, and a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? I have thought about this in connection with the various kinds of work God has given people to do. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the heart, in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Father, we, we thank you. I ask Holy Spirit that you touch each mind, each heart, move in their lives, change them, make them different today than they were yesterday, make them better than they were before they walked in this door. Help us to grow in your grace and your mercy. I pray an anointing upon your word that the anointing would fall on each individual, that you would move in signs and in wonders. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The Ecclesiastic writer, when I hear him write, if you look at that book, he's like an adventurer. He's a voyager. He was a wise man, and Solomon's writing this. And he's in search for something that a lot of people try to find in life, and, and he's searching for what he's looking for or what he considers truth. The book of Ecclesiastic is a, like a log book. Uh, in which that voyager writes down all the disappointments which he encountered on his voyage. It's kind of like Star Trek, you know, star date, 25, 20, captain's log, right? And, and, and he's dictating what's going on. And so he's writing this book. And we can see here in chapter 3, which is kind of like the premise of the entire book, uh, he's dealing with the subject of time, of things that happen and we read once again here in, in verse 11. He said, he, made, he has made everything appropriate to its time. Everything has a time. Now, how many of us, when we think about time, have ever thought that you want a fresh start? Come on now. The, the first day, the first time I understood, I had been in church a little bit, but I understood that God completely wiped away everything I did and said, now you have a fresh start. When it really hit me, because people had told me that, but it didn't mean much. It's like just words. But when it, when it penetrated me and, and, and I realized, you mean 
all that stuff doesn't matter no more? Wow, that was heavy. A fresh start. Where, you know, you may not be able to com- completely forget the past. It's back there. But the past won't have any meaning on your future. You know, it won't hurt, hinder your future. In fact, no matter how bad your past was, or is, or had been, it will benefit your future. God will turn it around. Right? So we begin to concentrate on which, on this present, and we look toward the future, irrespective of the past. So some feel like they, they may have lost, and well, if I, if I forget the past, I may have lost a good thing. They want to keep some of that. Let me let, me let you know something. The past, good or bad, can't help you. You are you, and it's here today. There was a time for the past, but it's long gone. Amen? It's like the human body. It's an interesting white, um, no, yeah, yes, white laboratories, they stated that 90% of the atoms that are in your body today were not in your body a year ago. So uh, you're still walking around, but every cell, every little cell in my body is happy. Remember that one? Every little cell in my body is well. But every little cell is new. Oh, you look the same, but it's been been new. It's changed. So in like manner, if, if we're wise enough and be able to grab a hold of this principle, you're new. The Bible says you're a new creation. Behold, all things are passed away. I think the only problem is we, we tend to look for things. or we, we, I don't know. We're, I think we've got brain damage sometimes. So I'm concerned that some of us will miss what is happening right now. Some will even look back at this time and regret it because they missed it. They could have been here, but they missed it. Right? They'll say things like, I wish I would have stuck around or, or did things differently. Hmm? The definition of dying is looking toward yesterday. And the definition for living is looking toward tomorrow. So many people are dying. They're looking back. Sir Roger Bannister, in 1954, did something that shocked the sports world. Now, if you understand track and field, there was a barrier back then that nobody, no human could run a mile, right? Could break the, 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 the mile record in four minutes. No, it was, they said it was humanly impossible for a human to run a mile in less than four minutes. It had never been done, and nobody could achieve it. It was a barrier. Well, this man, he broke it. The experts said it couldn't be done, but he did it. Roger Bannister in 1954. A month and a half later, a guy by the name of John Landy broke it, and he broke Roger Bannister's record by 1.4 seconds. What could never be done was broken by a man, and it opened up something. It's like faith, you know, when you have faith. It opened up, and the barrier was no longer there. Then this guy, Landy, said, hey, if Roger can do it, I can do it. And he broke it. Then the time came for these two men to face off in British Columbia. These were the, they considered at the time, these were superhuman men. 
and they were going to face each other, run. And the whole world watched in anticipation and wanted to know who was the fastest man alive. And they lined up and began to run. And as they came across the track, Landy was ahead of Roger Bannister by about a foot and a half. And he's running, and they're going right to the, to the end. And history says that he was running, and Landy thought in his mind, and he thought for a second, where is Roger? And then for that second, he looked back, and it slowed him down just enough that Roger Bannister won the race. He had said, if I had not have looked back, I would have won. And many Christians are just like that. They're running the race, and for whatever reason, they look back. And the devil gets right by them. Hmm. We can't be like that, church. We have to live today as if there's no tomorrow. And when, once it's gone, it's time for something else. Huh, this illustration is exactly what many of us do. At the wrong time, in a very crucial part of the race, we look back. So we're now running. Every one of you, whether you know or not, you are running a race. And you have a tendency to always look back. And I, I see it. You know, Sam is talking about psychology, guys in the home, girls in the home, always looking back. Oh, I wasn't bottle fed correctly. And my daddy was mean to me. My ex did this. My ex did that. Shut up already. <laughs> so what? Can I say it like that? So what? None of that is going to help you. Not one bit of, oh, ow, ooh, it's not going to help you. You don't understand me. I, I was abused. Well, so what? That's why you're in church. Get right. Forget that. That's kind of hard, huh? But that's just the way it is. If you want to fulfill God's destiny and you want to be more than a conqueror, you got to stop sniveling. Any snivelers in the house? Not anymore, huh? They're afraid. And if they are, they're afraid to admit it. So as we look at this message, let's find some truth to take us to the next level. Because that stuff, right, what I'm talking about will only hinder you. Because right now is God's timing for your life. I'm, I'll say this. Everything you went through. Before I say that, I, I shared it one time. And I think I shared it before. My favorite preacher, teacher, writes a book. Miles Monroe. Great author. He's got a lot of books. See a book, grab it, snatch it, read it. He was preaching one time. Matter of fact, he called me and my wife out and prophesied on us. Out of, what, 10,000 people. It was funny. I'll, next time I'll tell you how my wife reacted, but we we'll, won't we'll talk about that right now. Anyway, so he called us up. He said this. And he, was, he was speaking, and he said, and he got some people mad because he understood time. And he said, I thank God for slavery. Oh, man, he's a black man. And, uh, every, oh, you know, Al Sharpton was ready to have a boycott. You know, Jesse Jackson was getting mad, winding up already. He goes, I thank God for slavery. And I go, oh, what is this guy going to do? What is he saying? And he says this. If it wasn't for slavery, this black man wouldn't be preaching to all you white folk. And he was so right. Yeah, so he didn't let the past hinder his future. 
In fact, he understood one thing. There's a time for everything. But God's plan will always prevail. And God's plan in the foundation of the earth was to have Miles Monroe to be one of the most renowned speakers on the planet, one of the most greatest authors in the world. And he knew somehow I had to get Miles Monroe to the Bahamas. Well, I know how. I'll let him get booked. I'll let his family get booked. And it would look like evil to us. To the natural mind, God had a greater plan. And he got him there. Now he was top dog. Not letting his past hinder his future. Everything you went through, every abuse, every jail sentence, every lie, every OD, every slap across your face was needed to get you here today. That made you and got you in this room right now. So if you flip it, don't let the devil use that against you. Use it as a tool. Say, thank you, devil. What you meant for evil, God turned it around and meant for good. God will turn it around. See, God's timing is sovereign. He's in control. He understands what he's doing. A little girl once fascinated by her mother's egg timer, a small hourglass, the old school ones with sand in it, and her mother explained that it took the sand exactly three minutes to empty. Then you just turn it over and it does the same thing all over again. Well, that afternoon, the little girl brought her friend into the kitchen and she goes, see? She said, you run it through like this. Then you just turn it upside down and you get your three minutes back. <laughs> see, some people want to get, bring their time back. It doesn't come back. Huh? You got to let it go. Let it go. Use it to grow. Use it to become better. See, if you'll notice the first part of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, the Word of God says there is an appropriate time for what? Now, now, when I read that, I go, that's heavy. There is an appropriate time for everything. Not some things. So look at everything that ever happened and transpired in the world. There was a, a right time for it. What am I saying? It was needed. That, that's what Miles Monroe understood. Those things were needed. Now, it's not appropriate. But then, it was appropriate. Hmm? So not most things, not convenient things, not happy things, not positive things. There is an appropriate time under God's timetable for everything. The, 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 the clocks or the, the trouble is we have to know when it's appropriate and when it's not appropriate. Amen? Hebrews 4.12 helps us understand the sovereignty of God and his timing for every individual in their life. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, go ahead and turn there. It says, For whatever God says to us is full of living power. It is sharper than the sharpest dagger, cutting swift and deep into the innermost thoughts and desires with all their parts, exposing us for what we really are. He knows everything. He knows about everyone, about everywhere. Everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from him to whom we must explain what we all have done. 
Nothing. He sees everything. He knows everything. And everything has to happen according to his time. He knows about everyone, everywhere. And he has seen your past with clarity. Nothing can be hidden from him. Nothing. Verse 13 says, nothing can be hidden from him to whom we must explain all that we have done. Right? So, so he sees our past, but more importantly, he sees what's up ahead for us. We don't see it. And so some of the things you're going through now, you don't understand why, God. Just hang in there. You don't need to know why. Just hang in there. Don't give up. He knows why. He knows the beginning from the end. In fact, he doesn't start the end until he knows the beginning. So if you're on a journey, if you're on the track, listen, he already knows the outcome. That's why you're already starting. Right? Our problem is we, we, we have to know everything in advance. Hmm? Now I want you to center your attention on verse 16 of Hebrews. So let us come boldly to the throne. Let, let's read that. Hebrews 4, I mean 14 through 16. Let's keep reading. But Jesus, the Son of God, is our great high priest who has gone to heaven itself to help us. Therefore, let us never stop trusting him. The high priest of, our, of ours understands our weakness since we, he rather, had the same temptations we do. Though he never once gave way to them and sinned. So let us come boldly to the throne of God and stay there to receive his mercy and to find grace to help us in our times of need. So focus there on verse 16. Let us come boldly to the throne of God. In other words, the Hebrew writer says, don't hesitate in approaching God. Don't wait around. He already knows what we, the coming year is going to hold. So come boldly to him. He already knows the trials that you've gone through. And he knows the trials you're going to go through. That trial may be sitting next to you. Hallelujah. And he says, let us with confidence approach the throne of grace. With confidence. You're not going to surprise them. Approach that throne of grace that we may receive mercy. That we may receive mercy and grace in our time. Again, there's that word again. In our time of need. Look at that phrase. This speaks of God's timing, the timing of God to find grace to help us in our times of need. We might say like this, in the nick of time. You ever, you ever say, oh, got it, just in the nick of time. Other people could get holy, oh, for such a time as this. But it's more like, woo, in the nick of time. He's there when you just need him. Never too early, never too late. Jesus is right on time. We, we, want him, we want him ahead of time. No, 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 no. We think, oh, God, what are you waiting for? He ain't waiting for nothing. He's going to come right on time. We're just impatient. We just want it our way. We don't like a little uncomfort. We don't like a little discomfort. We, don't, we want everything to be nice and go, you know, I don't want a hard bed. I want a pillow. Right? Women's homes, I don't want to sleep on, on the floor. You just may need to. But God will provide in his time. Right on time. Amen? Amen? Come on, go ahead and give the Lord a hand of praise. <laughs> See, in the nick of time, you, you thought you needed yesterday. No, 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 you didn't need it. God knows your situation. Huh? He knows when you need it. You're right. God may not understand you the way you think. 
But God understands the way he needs to understand. So we look through a glass darkly. We don't understand what's going on. But I'll let you know, God will be there to supply your needs in the nick of time. And I think that's the conflict. Not what you want. Hello, somebody. Oh, I want this, God. I, I want that. Oh, I, I want. No, no. You, don't, you, don't, you can want all you want, but you don't need it. When you are focused on God's needs and you're operating under his authority, and then he'll meet your needs. So the object is find what God really wants for your life. Put yourself out there and make yourself needed, and God will provide it. Christians are, are so hell-bent on wanting what they want and expect God to give to them what they want. Listen, I've said this many times. God is God. He is not the genie of Aladdin's lamp. He is not to come when you rub him and he pops out. No, that's not his role to make your life the best. That's not his role. His role is to seek the lost and to save them who will be saved. Now, if we're smart, you line yourself up with that. Now, once you line yourself up with that, guess what? Now God has to meet your need. Why? Because you're doing God's purpose. Now, that, that's a little more challenging to come to church and look for God's purpose. I just want to come to church, you know, find a wife. Or I just want to come to church and find a husband. I just want to come to church to blah, 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 blah. That's not what church was for. Huh? If, if, if that's what you came for, you got to go online and go, what is that, dating stuff? I crack, crack up. I go, oh, you know, they have these old profiles. It's probably some big old sloppy dude. No tifus, no money, got nothing to lose. Act like he's looking like, you know, some movie star. Don't believe it, ladies. Or vice versa. You got these girls looking all fine. Oh, man, you got scary Mary over there. Don't believe the picture. You better make sure you see it before you believe it. Hallelujah. You talk about faith. That's faith. Get online. How do I get over there? Let's get back over here. God will provide. God will be there to supply your needs. Grace when you need it. Mercy when you need it. When temptations come, he'll be there. He'll give you the grace to overcome the temptation. In the nick of time, God will strengthen you for the burden of that day. God will be there. All right? And I guess that's the challenge. We don't... Nobody in their right mind likes burdens. Anybody like burdens? Nobody likes burdens. And no one likes trouble. But listen, in this world, you will suffer stuff. Right? And you just got to handle it. Just let it go. Let it roll off your back like a duck with, with water. Just roll, roll off your back. Don't let it consume you and bring you down. Because God will be there in the nick of time. In the nick of time, God will strengthen you. So I don't know the problems you're going to face. I don't. But I do know you're going to have problems. I can, I can, you know, I'm not trying to prophesy on you or, or, or give you any kind of a bummer, but you're going to have problems. And in this world, this world doesn't roll like, like we like it. It's cold. It's calculated. It, the, the time just moves. It doesn't care about you. God does. God will provide. God will always give you a way of escape. Hmm? Now, I'm still waiting for God to move in certain areas. In my life. I want God to move. Yes, I do. They haven't happened yet. Believe you me, I thought they should have happened months ago. <laughs> it ain't happened. But I do know this. God promised it. 
It's going to happen. I just don't know when. And that's probably better that way. But I'm still waiting for promises to come true. You know, I'm believing to, before I pass, to have sent out 30 churches. I don't know how that's going to happen. But it's going to happen. Because you know what that means? We're going to, you know, as a ministry, we're going to have to have wealthy people here. Because to send out a church, you, you don't send it out with, 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 with prayer. You send it out with prayer and money. You know, you're going to cost 100 grand per church to send out a church. And some people say, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me go to another church where I, I ain't got to, you know, pay a price. Well, go. Because here we got to pay a price. Sorry, we're going to have to. If, if somebody's got a call in their life, how are they going to go unless we're willing to back them? And I believe people have a call in their life. So if you, there's a call in your life, then we're going to have to be willing to pay a price to help you fulfill your call. Now, the good part is now we have a need, right? So now we have a need. You have a call. There's a city with your name. You have a call. Maybe you're called to be a missionary. If you have a call, there's a need. Guess what? God will provide all our needs according to his riches and glory. Now we have the right type of need. You don't need a 70-inch TV, LCD, curved for whatever D whatever you don't you want that but see people would rather pay to that than to reach the loss and that's I guess that's everybody's got to walk through that right but and I don't care you can have all that but don't forget don't neglect the lost that's my point huh there's a time for those things but there's a time for other things as well I hope you see my picture so now, I'm waiting, but I'm confident in one thing. I am confident. Faith is the assurance of things not seen. I'm talking about me now. Things haven't happened yet. But faith is the assurance. I'm confident it will happen. Faith is seeing the things not as they are, but as they, as they will be. That's faith. It's like, let's look, 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 look use this building here. Faith. I'm confident that we're going to be full to the back. I just, it's it's going to happen. Now, either you're going to be with me, with us, when it happens, or you're going to be one of those that, man, I missed out. I didn't see it. I remember when we first went there, it was empty. Now it's packed. I missed it. Yep. Or you're going to see it with me. There's a time for everything. Right? I'm confident that God will be right on time. He's going to be there. Koi Timboom. She had a bestseller called The Hiding Place. She was in Holland with her sister, and the Germans were heavily invading the country. One night, she couldn't resist, and she listened to the artillery fire as she laid in bed. She heard her sister in that, that night stirring in the kitchen, so she, she, decided she, would go, uh, she decided that she couldn't sleep, and she would go down and fellowship with her sister and have a cup of tea. So down the stairs she went, and there she, they sat at the table talking about the war, and the horrors of war. She fellowshiped with the key tea, and the night wore on, and all of a sudden they were aware that the battle outside had, had stopped. It was quiet. So they decided to go to bed and try to get some rest. So she, in the darkness of the hour, she crept upstairs. When she got to her bed, she decided to put her pillow, her head on her pillow, where she was going to lay her head down. And when she reached out 
to pat her pillow, she was cut with a 10-inch piece of metal that had flown through the window and, and stuck in her pillow. Quickly, she rushed downstairs to her sister holding her hand, which was now bleeding desperately. And she said, she had said to her sister, Betsy, and she began to wrap her hand and, and take care of it. Corey kept repeating over and over again, but sis, if I had not heard you in the kitchen, I would be dead now. If I had not heard you in the kitchen, I would be dead now. She kept saying it over and over and over. See, Corey, with God, there's no ifs. Huh? With God, there's no ifs. Let me say it again if you don't understand. With God, there are no ifs. She kept saying, if I had not went down, if I had not went down, I'd be dead. See, there's a time for everything. God had a plan for her life. There's a time for everything. God has a plan for your life. How many, I've heard people, if this hadn't happened, I'd be dead. And you're here in church today. If this hadn't happened, what would I be? You're in church. There's no ifs with God. You're here because it's God's time for you. You're here. It's God's time for you. Now, there are no ifs. God has a plan. God has a timetable, right? He's already laid out the plan. You just got to get in line. You and I, we may look at life as conditional and iffy and maybe all kinds of questions. But God has no questions. He's sovereign. He knows your future. There's no ifs with God. In his timetable, he has planned out your life. God has a plan for his children. Now, not everybody are his children. Some people and daughters of the devil. Others are God's children. We're all God's creation, but not everybody. The Bible says if we are walking in the light as he is in the light, then we are children of light. You not only have fellowship with him, you have an assurance that your plan is laid out before you. That's very important. See, if you're not walking in the light and having fellowship in the light, then you're on your own, dude. Sister, you're on your own. God hasn't got no plan for you. That's your plan. That's why I, I always say this, I continually say to remind you that hell is full of volunteers. God sends nobody to hell. God has a plan for your life. You have to line up with this plan. If you don't line up with this plan, then you're on your own. You're destined. You have destined yourself for hell. God doesn't want no one to go to hell. Uh-uh. No. He wants you to get in line. Get on his plan. Right? People get ready for the train is coming. Uh, don't forget your baggage. You just get on board. Right? That's it. Just get on board. But what happened? People don't want to jump on his train. They want to do their own train. They want to go to the soul train. Soul train, right? They, they want to do their own stuff. Get off. You got to let go of that. Get on God's train. Get on the right track. Huh? What have I said? I may not know exactly where I'm going, but I know I'm on the right track. And you will never know exactly where you're going, but you'll know when you're on the right track and when you're on the wrong track. You'll know. Sometimes you're, you're all on the right track, Pastor, but then you bump your head. Well, you got off track. Why? You went out and had to have a blunt or smoke a joint or do whatever you're going to do. You better stop it. You need to get on the right track. You better get on the right track because there is no guarantee 
There is no guarantee if you get off track that you're going to come back. You can say, well, I'll just repent right before I die. No, you won't. You're going to die as you live. And if you're living for the devil, you'll die like the devil. Let me get back over here before I get you real sad. You ever ask God why? Why? Every sorrow, every disappointment, every joy, every pleasure, why? God used all we go through for two reasons. And I'm coming in for landing. First, to stretch us. If you're a Christian, he needs to stretch you. Because we get comfortable. We like, we like comfort. We just like to sit around the pool in the shade, drinking our lemonade. And that's not what God intended for you. He, he might let you have some lemonade and let you have some shade. But he doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to get busy. So sometimes he has to stretch you. Huh? To make us more than we have ever been before in our spiritual realm. He needs to grow us. So God's grace and his timing is sovereign. So everything he does either to stretch you, hello, or to grow you. Either way, it's going to take you out of your comfort zone. But the American dream is to be comfort. So God's timing is sufficient. Ecclesiastes 3.11, let's go ahead back there, to 11 rather. It says, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the sun. Pay attention to the word every and everything. Not most events, not 99% of the events, but every event. See, most people let life happen to them. Life just happens. Listen, we got to get to the point where we make life happen. When you're on the cutting edge of ministry, you make life happen. Or if you don't make life happen, you'll just be sitting at home and life will happen to you. Regardless, something's going to happen to you. You could try to insulate yourself from problems. It ain't going to work. Life just happens. So either you can sit around and let, let life happen, or you can get busy and make life happen. I like to be on the other edge, on the cutting edge. I want to make life happen. I like, I like coming into a room and stirring up the action. I like coming to a city and make life happen. I don't want to just sit around. Well, what do you do? I'm just waiting for life to happen. And that's how most people live life. Just let life happen to them. Hmm. It's a lot more fun to be on the cutting edge. A little pain sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's a lot more fun, right? So you've got to get up. And get all you can and do as much as you can for the glory of God. Make it happen. I see a lot of things that I want to accomplish for God. I see a lot of things. I look at this church, hello somebody, and I've, I see a lot of things that we need to accomplish. But sometimes, sometimes, I just can't seem to wait. It's like, argh, argh, get frustrated. Hello. But I got to be cool too. I got to wait and, 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 and try to prod you, push you. It's like even now, I feel like I'm trying to convince you how good God is. Do, do I got to convince you? So you got to jump in and stop bumping your head and doing the same things you used to do over and over. That's why the home, you, sorry, fella, that's why you're in the home because you kept doing the same things over and over and over and over and over, bumping your heads, right? Stop bumping your heads and try something different, sister. Don't just do the same thing. If you do the same thing you did last year, this year, you are really stupid. Can I say that? I just did. We've got to do things differently. That doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure that out. This passage of Scripture, God says, I got time for every event under heaven. In other words, he's saying, 
If you're like me, he's saying, be cool. Don't, don't let these things bother you. It's just the time for that. But never lose focus. That's why we always say vision-driven, mission-minded. The thing that keeps me going, I, I focus on the vision. I know what God called me to do. So things happen, be cool. Yeah, they're coming and going. Don't worry about it. Trials will come and trials will go. Keep your faith. Save your soul. Be vision-driven. Keep a, keep a focus on what God has called us to do, what God has called you to do. God has a plan. And then you let these things just happen. It's okay because there's a time for everything. Huh? There are some of you, bless your heart, you say, don't just stand there. Do something. <laughs> or, or don't just do something. Some of you just stand there. What do you want to be? Do something. Sometimes during the battle, we all have to maybe wait a little while. But don't wait too long. Time is, man, it is clicking. I came to Colorado, and I'm going to close pretty soon. I, I, believe, you know. I like closing. I close so many times. I like close five times. I came to Colorado. I was 36 years old. And I go, we're going to do all. And God gave me a vision of what's going to happen. And, and he showed me something. And now I'm 58. Where? Well, 57. I haven't got my birthday yet, but I'm going to. I go, what happened? Where did all the time go? And God, when I came here, you told me, come to here, and you're going to do certain things. And some things he did. Most things he hasn't yet. I go, well, God, you know. Are you there? What's happening here? On his time, not my time. My job was to come here and, and to stay busy. His job was to let you guys go through all the mess that you went through during those 22 years, right, to get you here. See how time works? And now we're here. Listen, we need to take advantage of the time. Because now it's our time. Man, I see it. I know it. I sense it. We're getting ready to take off, man. And some of you, God has got a call in your life. I'm going to say this. You came to Victorich at the right time. Hmm? See, sometimes during battle, you just have to stand. Okay, we're standing. Ephesians 6.13 says this. Use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil. So that after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Verse 14. And stand your ground. And I'm saying this to those of you who have been with me a while. You know who you are. You've been with me a while. So, and you've been standing. Frustrated. Ups and downs. Wondering was it worth it? Sometimes feeling under, uh, unappreciated, underappreciated. You go through all these head trips. We, we've gone through that. And sometimes you just have to stand. Why? Because you've been paying a price for some time now. Right? Others are coming because you've been paying a price. Hmm? But don't give up on well-doing. Because in due season, you will reap a reward. If you don't faint, if you don't give up, stand. The, the Lord's on your side. 
See, God's timing is not only sovereign, but it's sufficient. It's God's timing. Everything is going to take care of itself. God is saying this. Stand still. Hold tight. Be cool. So some have some great desires, like one man I heard, his name George, I heard about. And he said to a friend, there's nothing like getting up at 6 in the morning, going for a run around the park, and taking a brisk shower before breakfast. His friend Bob asked, how long have you been doing this? George says, I start tomorrow. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to start. Maybe you haven't been doing everything you have. I know. Maybe, you, you know, you had vision that one day you're going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It hasn't happened yet. It's okay. But you can always start tomorrow. You can start. You can start right now. It's time. Fresh start. New beginnings. So you're here at the right time. Some of us have been going through some changes, struggling, fighting. And listen, those of you who've been with me a while, you've been fighting for these women and these men who are coming here right now. That's why you've been fighting. That's why it's been hard. That's why it's been tough. Hmm? Keep fighting. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. It sure is. 28 times the word time is used in those opening scriptures. Ecclesiastes 1 through 11. 28 times. And every time there's an opposite. Time to plant, time to tear down. Time to kill, time to love. You notice that? 28 times. In other words, he says there's only a period of time, a season of time in which I'm going to do this part in your life. Take advantage of it. Don't, don't look at it as bad. There's a reason why they came to you. 